This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. So good to be uh, have all of you with us tonight. We're delighted that you can be here. Um, praise God. I mean, I can't think of a better place to be than in church. Amen. Amen. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's preparatory. It's kind of like the dress rehearsal as we get ready for the king. Amen. Amen. So uh, uh, tonight um, we're going to go ahead and we're going to teach along the lines of what faith is again. But I felt prompted to, uh, this evening. I'm going to, I know that you've kind of gotten snuggled in there a little bit, but I'd like for you to stand with me because I want to pray for our church. And uh, when I say that, I'm talking about praying for the people within it. So if you would, please just stand with me. And we're just going to take a moment. I just, uh, as I said, felt prompted to do this. And uh, I want you just to join together with me. Because, you know, um, we are living in perilous times. We're living in the last days. And, you know, people are, you know, endeavoring to navigate through all of that in in marriage and parenting and uh, just doing life, you know. And so those things can be challenging. But thank God there's a way uh, with and by the Spirit of God. Amen? And so I just felt as though we just needed to lift up our church, lift up the people that are in this church, because they've made it, they've made it their home. And what we don't want to see have happened is, is that they're not uh, living victoriously or doing life, you know, according to the will of God. And so that's why the Bible says that we're to pray one for another, you know, bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. So we're just going to take a, a moment here to pray for all the folks that have made this church their home, and we're going to lift them up before the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible does say that the effectual fervent prayer of righteous men and women avails much, makes tremendous power available. So I believe that when we do this, that we will be helping them. You know, maybe they're looking for answers in their lives or just, can, you know, I mean, there's just so much confusion going on. You know, there's frustrations, you know, there's all these different kinds of things. And, and uh, we, we need to have good, solid answers that come from heaven as to how to, you know, again, do life and navigate some of the things that are going on. So let's pray together, shall we? Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, hallelujah. And, and, and what I'm suggesting here before we pray you can pray. You know, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, I want you to pray in other tongues. Praise God. Because, you know, the Bible says we don't always know what to pray for as we ought, but He, the Holy Ghost, will help us. Amen? So we're just not listening to pastor. We're praying. Okay? And, you, you, of course, you can listen. Amen? Because you need to agree. You, you get that part. But I want us to pray uh, for them together. Okay? So let's do that then. Father in heaven, we thank you tonight. And we do lift up our church, Father. We're so grateful, Father God, for this home, this place we call home. Hallelujah. The house of God, that which you've raised up for these end times, Father, in these last days. And Father, we lift up every person, every child, every individual, Father, who has made this church their home. We bear them before you. We ask you to strengthen them with might by your spirit in their inner man. The eyes of their understanding being enlightened, Father, to know what is the hope of your calling. Father, our desire this evening as we bear them before you, Father, is that they would not ever cast away their confidence. Let them know, Father, that it has a great recompense of reward in that after they've done the will of God, they'll receive your promise. We thank you tonight. Hallelujah. We don't draw back into destruction, Father God. We are of those that believe. 
And so, Father, tonight as we bear them before you, we again, we ask you to strengthen them by your spirit in their inner man. Help them to walk in the light of life, to enjoy heaven's best. Father, to make choices and decisions that contribute to their spiritual well-being. Father God, I thank you for making them strong, stalwart as believers. Praise God, able to resist the devil and resist temptation, resist the things, Father, that would kill, steal, and destroy, to take their place, Father, in the kingdom of God, serving within the body of Christ in the church. We thank you, Lord, for a, a, a strengthening that comes Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for the Spirit of God moving in them. May they stir up the gift of God that is in them, Father God, calling on your name, Father God. Thank you for helping them, Father God, to draw near unto you so that you can draw near unto them. And Father, we just thank you for their success. We thank you, Lord God, for blessing them, coming in, going out. Father, we believe they're the head, not the tail. They are above only and not beneath. And so, Father, we thank you that because of what Jesus did, that which he provided for them when he went to the cross, died, and rose again, that, Father, by his victory, we enjoy the same. And we just thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for victory. Thank you for victory. Thank you for victory. Thank you for answers, for wisdom, that which they have need of. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for helping them to shake off those things, Father, that would encumber them or try to keep them, Father, from doing the will of God. We just thank you so very much, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Bring upon them, Father, that which you ordained. Hallelujah. Yes, let the blessing of God flow in each and every one of their lives, in their families, in their homes. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah for guiding them into all the truth. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. And Lord, finally ask you to help each and every one of us, Father, to prioritize our lives in a way that is honorable to, and pleasing to you. Help us, Father God, to eliminate that which is unnecessary. Father God, I thank you for teaching us, guiding us, showing us. Oh, thank you, Father, for your goodness, your mercy, and blessing, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. Thank you so much. You may be seated. God bless you. Praise God. You know, and whenever you think about it, you know, in your time of prayer, things of that nature, just continue to lift folks up. Hallelujah. We need to pray one for another. Amen. You know, it's important and again, you know, it impacts the lives of people in a, in a real and a very, very positive kind of way. Amen. So, let's open our Bibles together to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Thank you, Jesus. And read with me, if you will, beginning with verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. It is through faith that we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, 
so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And then it outlines a couple different individuals in the Bible, first of which was uh, Abel, and he offered a sacrifice unto God that was pleasing. Then also it talks about Enoch, Enoch who was translated because he uh, pleased God. And then notice verse 6 with me if you would. It says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, or that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Aren't you glad tonight that he's a rewarder? Glory to God forevermore. I tell you what, God wants to bless you more than you want to bless your, or be blessed yourself. Hallelujah. That's why he sent Jesus, so that, praise God, we could have life and have it more abundantly. But you'll notice in that sixth verse it says that without faith you can't please God. Amen. It isn't, you know, I mean, I, I think that everybody wants to, and the simple way of doing that is, you know, when we say, uh, you know, have faith in God, we're just saying trust Him to believe in what it is that He has said. That's what faith really is, you know, is acting on what it is that the Bible says. And when we do that, the Bible says that we please Him. Hallelujah. Glory to God forevermore. Amen. It's just as simple as, you know, when you give your heart to Christ and you say, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. And so you put away the unfruitful works of darkness and you put on the armor of light. Hallelujah. You get rid of anger. You get rid of, you know, evil speaking and bitterness and clamor and all the other things, you know, that are associated with the world. And you say, no, I ain't doing that anymore. I'm going to be a follower of him. When you do that, you're doing it because that's what he told you to do. And you said yes. And the Bible says that that makes a person you know, it puts them in a place of pleasing God. You know, when you walk in love, you know, and when you define what love is in your life, or a biblical love anyway, and you make the decision that you're going to be a doer of that word, that pleases God. Hallelujah. You know, I think sometimes we don't always give ourselves the kind of credit we ought to, but you know what? You're a whole lot better off than you were. Yes. How many of you believe that? Yes. Sure. Absolutely you are. Glory to God. It's all because of Him. And so it ought to be our ambition, pursuit, quest, if you want to call it that, that, you know, we're seeking to please Him in whatever ways uh, that He would ask of us. So, notice here also, in this first verse, it says that faith is the substance, or it gives substance to what we hope for. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. I want to read it from a couple other translations of the Bible. This is Moffat's translation. It says that faith, now faith means that we are confident of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. Hallelujah. Another translation says that faith gives substance to our hopes. You know, God puts hope in your life. He puts dreams in your life, desires, things of that nature. And of course, you know, it's faith that brings those things we desire or hope for into a manifestation. Another translation says that faith is the warranty deed that the things for which you have fondly hoped for are yours at last. Hallelujah. And then finally, Weymouth's translation says, faith is the well-grounded assurance of that which we hope for and a conviction of the reality of things that we do not see. How many of you here tonight believe in God? Well, why do you believe in God? I mean, after all, you can't see God. He's an invisible God, right? But we've seen his creation and all of nature and everything he's done. I mean, you can. My wife and I were just talking about it. She says, "I'm so glad God decided to make snow white." 
You know, I mean, what if it had been like dirt? You know, I mean, that'd been kind of funky, wouldn't it? But it's so wonderful. I mean, you know, now I know you don't like the cold and, you know, you don't like all the consequence maybe. But I'm telling you what, man, God, I mean, he is magnificent in what it is that he does. So if you've been with us, we've been talking about what faith is and what many people describe as faith. I'm talking about Bible faith. It really isn't faith at all. I don't know what it is, but it's not Bible faith. Let's put it that way. And so it's more along the lines, I think, sometimes of wishful thinking, or we could say hoping that something will turn out favorably where our lives are concerned. So while hope has its place, and no doubt it does, we need to understand it's important to realize that faith and hope aren't the same thing. And hope won't get the job done, but faith will. Hallelujah. Hope is kind of that, you know, thing that gets it started, but faith is what, it, what really actually takes a hold of it and brings it into our lives. You know, many times <clears throat> you'll talk with Christians. I'm talking about Christians here. Many times you'll talk with them and something happens typically in some kind of a negative fashion. And then they'll say, how many of you have ever heard this? Just, just go with me on this. Well, I guess it must have been the way it was supposed to be. How many of you have ever heard that? I guess it was supposed, to, you know, I guess it turned out the way it was supposed to be. Where, 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 do we, where do we come up with that? You know, or we might, you know, it might come out this way, you know, and we're talking about in, in the context of the will of God, you know. <clears throat> um, have you ever heard it, you know, somebody said, well, it must have been their time. Have you ever heard that? Uh, as a preacher, as a pastor, you hear that all the time because when people die, they go, well, it must have been their time. Well, it, it may not have been their time, but yet they've just been ushered into eternity. People say, well, you know, you know, people are appointed unto men. You know, the Bible says that it, there is an appointment for men to die. And so what, they, what they're saying is, is that there's a certain time in a person's life when you're going to die. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches, because if you read the book of Proverbs, it says that if you follow after wisdom, you do these things, it'll extend your life. Huh? And if you do the other things, it'll shorten your life. So you can't just say that, you know, uh, as the book of Hebrews says in chapter 9 and 27, you know, it is, it is determined that, uh, I need to read it. Okay, that way I won't screw it up. Okay, notice it says, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, it, uh, the judgment. So it is appointed. I mean, you're going to die, okay? Trust me. I mean, we used to have these people, you know, in, in uh, uh, Word of Faith circles, you know, that we're never going to die. Well, I got news for you. You're going to die, okay, one way or the other. I know that doesn't excite you, but you know what? It ought to because, praise God, when you breathe your last breath air, you're going to get ushered into the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? So it is appointed unto men once to die, but that appointment isn't like this day or that day or whatever, you have a part to play in that. D does that make sense to you? Okay, so let me go on and explain this a bit further, and this may help you a little bit. Because, you know, when I talk about people that make these statements like it must have, you know, it must have turned out, this must have been the way it so was supposed to be, really what that is, is their faith is fatalistic. In other words, they believe in fate. Huh? Does that make sense to you? My brother was that way. I told you about my brother, Bob. He said, well, I just believe God wants me to go to heaven. I will. And if you don't, I'll, I guess I'll end up in hell. 
And I said, and that's what I told him. I said, buddy, you're going to bust the gates of hell wide open. This is not God's choice, not left up to faith. It's up to you, what you're doing, you know. People always want to abdicate all the responsibility to somebody else. So they, this, this faith that we're talking about is, is fatalism. And I'm going to give you a definition of that. Fatalism is a doctrine that events are fixed in advance so that human beings are powerless to change them. I guess that's just the way it was supposed to be. Well, you and I know better than that, amen? I said amen. So it goes on then to describe the principle or determining cause or will by which things in general are believed to come to be as uh, they are or events to happen as they do. And also, it is the three, fate is the three goddesses who determine the course of human life in classical mythology. So if you want to go down that, that path, you're welcome to do that, but I'm not going there. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. And, and so essentially, you know, when you think about this, we're talking about what faith is. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to move you into a different place so that we're just not letting whatever and whoever and what, you know, just roll over us. And we say, well, that must have been the will of God because there's a lot of stuff that happens is not the will of God. So essentially, people believe that God reveals his will through circumstances. Well, that, that must have been the will of God. I mean, it must have been their time. It might, you, you understand that? And, and you've got to understand, not all circumstances are from God. Huh? A lot of stuff that happens to people that's not the will of God. But as a believer, we have to resist the circumstances just like you would temptation. You know, the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Isn't that what it says in James 4, 7? So, you know, you agree with me that we're supposed to resist temptation, right? Well, in the same way that we're to resist temptation, you need to resist the circumstances that come against you that are not consistent with the known will of God. Does that help you? I hope it does, because that's my whole intent behind this. So nobody disagrees we should uh, resist temptation, but in the same way, we are to resist circumstances that contradict the true and the known will of God. I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, if you have this kind of attitude, you know, that it must be your time or, you know, uh, um, um, however I described that earlier, you know, then I would ask you a question. Why do you go to the doctor to get out of the will of God? Huh? Why do you go to the doctor? Well, I'm sick and I need, you know, I don't, I don't like being sick. How many of you like being sick? Nobody does. So we go to the doctor. Well, why don't you just say, well, that's probably the will of God. You got sick, you know, and why are you going to the doctor to get out of the will of God? If in fact, that is the will, it's not the will of God. Jesus came and gave his life so that we wouldn't have to endure sickness, disease and infirmity and all the rest of the things that are associated with it. That was brought into this earth by a curse of disobedience. And so here we are with it. So, um, you know, so again, where do we get Bible faith? Bible faith, real faith, the stuff that brings about change in our lives. Do we, is it a feeling? You know, boy, I got faith today. By golly, I'm feeling pretty good. And then maybe you didn't get a lot of rest the night before, and all of a sudden you wake up and you go, I don't feel like I ain't faith at all. 
Well, faith is not based upon feeling. Can you say amen? You know, I mean, some people say, well, I get faith because I attend church. Well, you know, the Bible teaches church attendance. And if you go to a church that's, you know, preaching the word, then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. You'll probably get some that way. But the, the, the simple fact of you attending church is not going to give you faith. Huh? You know? And so there's lots of, I mean, sometimes, you know, people say, well, my faith comes from, uh, you know, my religion. I always, I always engage people to talk to them about Jesus. I say, are you a person of faith? Because it's kind of safe, you know, it's a little neutral there, you know, you know, and they'll say, well, I'm a Baptist, a Methodist, or whatever. And so what that does is it gives you an inroad to talk to them about Jesus and talk about the specific need for man to be born again and be a child of God. Hallelujah. So again, where do we get faith? Well, again, Romans chapter 10, 17 says, so then faith cometh by what? Hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. That is the one and only source for Bible faith to enter into the heart of a person. So the way in which we derive faith is believing what is written. Believe, everybody say that, believing what's written. Yeah, believing what is written. John said it this way in John 20, verse 31. He said, but these things are written. These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life through his name. So the whole record that we have in the Gospel of John, at the near conclusion of that Gospel, you know, John is saying, all of this has been written so that you might believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank God for the book. Thank God for the Bible. Thank God for what it is that he has said. An interesting thing, you remember when Jesus, when, when he uh, initiated his, his ministry, he came back from the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. And then he went into the synagogue. And while he was there, there was delivered unto him the book of Isaiah. And the Bible tells us that when he was uh, given the book of the prophet Isaiah, when he had opened the book, he found the place where it's written. Now that's important. Well, he said, he found a place that's written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. But I want you to note that phrase. He opened it and he found the place where it is written. When it comes to establishing a foundation for faith in your life, you have to find the place where it is written. It's not enough for you to live on grandma or mom's faith. No, you gotta find a place for yourself where it is written about your situation. And that does require something from us. But I tell you, when you find it, oh, happy day. I tell you, it changes your life. It causes you to ride upon the high places of a thing called faith. The Bible says to seek the Lord while you may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And I asked this question a couple weeks ago. If I'm to seek the Lord, where do I find him? Huh? Where do you find him? You find him in the place where it is written. You find him in the book. Glory to God. That's where you find him. And, you know, all over in the scriptures, Joshua 1.8, it said, This book of the law shall not depart, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, so that you can observe to do 
according to all that is written therein. For then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. So success in life is based upon discovering and knowing or finding where it is written that God wants this for your life. Hallelujah. And it's so wonderful. Glory to God. Aren't you glad you discovered some things? You know, blessed is a man or woman that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor do they stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. Why? Because I tell you what, they meditate in it day and night, and they are going to be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that bring forth their fruit in season. Their leaf isn't going to wither, and whatever they do, they're going to prosper. What causes that? The book that is written and making our delight, making it our delight. Again, you know, I can give you all kinds of examples. Marriage. You want to have a successful marriage? Read Ephesians chapter 5 and then do it. Hello. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about marriage. Huh? And even 1 Peter in chapter 3, he talked about marriage. Likewise, ye wives, you know, be in subjection. Then he said, you husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. You know, you can't be a knothead and expect the blessing of God. you got to do what he says. You understand knothead, don't you? Julia did. She got a kick out of that. Hallelujah. You know, you can't get the blessing of God in your life if you're not doing what it is that he said. But it's in here. And it can be applied. It can be used. It can be... uh, uh, yeah, done, and it'll bring a result. Amen. I think I've seen Julian, you know, bumping, <laughs> bumping Darcy going, don't be a knothead. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't true. Amen. Wisdom, same thing. You know, the Bible t- gives us all kinds of wisdom. You read in the book of Proverbs, I mean, it is a book filled with it. It's like, hey, 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 listen, hear what it is that I'm telling you so that you can avoid all the mess that the world finds themselves to be in. It's there. If any of you lack in wisdom, let him ask of God who gives just, you know, once in a while if he feels like it. Now he gives liberally, you know, and it'll be given to him. But he says, of course, you've got to ask in faith. You know, having your needs met, Man, I tell you what, praise God, if you grow up in a home like I did and you come to find out that God wants to meet your needs, you'll get excited. Amen. Whole nother plane, a whole different existence. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That's the Bible. Okay? I didn't make that up. He said, Beloved, I wish, pray, and desire above all things that you would prosper even as your soul prospers. So there's things that our soul has, you know, there's things that have to occur. There's education, there's skill sets, there's all these different kinds of things that we can employ within the world in which we live so that God can bless the work of our hand. Are you with me? Come on now, stay with me, hallelujah. So he wants to meet our needs and, and, and it's in the Bible, you know. There's another verse of scripture I wanna to read to you, Ecclesiastes 5 and 18. You know, Solomon wrote this. He said this. He said, Behold, that which I have seen, it is good and comely or proper for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor that he takes under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him. For it is his, what is it? Portion. Portion. It's your portion. 
Okay, then he goes on to say, Every man also to whom God has given riches and wealth and has given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. So I want to establish a new thought in your mind, even though I think you probably already have this. There's nothing wrong with you and your family enjoying the good life. It's your portion. It is that which is the Bible describes as a gift of God. God wants you to have it. He wants you to experience it. He wants you to have more than enough so that you can be able to distribute and to give and to supply the needs of other people. Can you say amen? amen. But if you don't have it to give, you can't do it. Huh? So we want to move from the bottom to the top. And, you know, there's other principles in the scriptures that tell us how to do that. But my point to this is just simply, you know, we got to find the place where it is written about the will of God for our lives, whether it's in marriage and parenting or, you know, our, our resources, you know, uh, our needs being met, wisdom, you, I mean, you name it. Hallelujah. It's all in there. And it's great. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So, and even healing, which... We'll maybe talk a little bit about that in a, a different context, but it's there. So, you know, in our, in our tenets, our tenets of faith, the very first one that we have here at the church, and you say, I didn't know we had tenets. Well, we do. We've got about 12 or 13 of them. I'm not sure, you know, where they're at, but maybe we could dig them up out of the, someplace. But I know this one. And in our tenets of faith, we believe that the Word of God serves as our infallible guide. In other words, there is no error in it whatsoever. We believe that it serves as our infallible guide as it relates to or pertains to life and conduct for us as believers. The Bible, the Word of God. And you know, there are a lot of churches, they're completely away from the Bible. I mean, you know, they might find a scripture someplace, you know, they start out and that's about as far as it ever gets. They never talk about the Word. You know, they never talk about what God says or the Bible. They just kind of do this little social thing and then it's over with. Well, hallelujah, thank God we're a Bible-believing church. So we ought to preach the Bible, teach the Bible, learn from the Bible, walk in the light of the Bible, hallelujah, because it's God's living Word. But so many Christians, you know, <clears throat> they mistake hope for faith. We talked about this in the beginning. And consequently, they never see anything change. So the point is, is that faith and hope are not the same, but we mistake them. You know, we mistake hope for faith, essentially, you know. You'll talk to some people who say, well, what do you think about this? You know, and I mean, uh, is it going to turn out all right? And they'll say, well, I hope so. Well, we got to move from I hope so to I know so. And I know so predicated upon it is written. I have found the place where it's written. Hallelujah. That greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. That's in the Bible, you know. But a lot of times in our conversation, that's not what we're saying. We're saying something else. And so we just have to learn to get that changed. Now I want to look at an example because I think this will bless you and help you. Turn over to Mark chapter 5. And let's, uh, let's take a look at a circumstance here. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for the Bible? I tell you, it'll, not only it'll give you hope, it'll give you faith. Glory to God. Mark chapter 5, and I want to take a look at this gal, the woman with the issue of blood. And let's just go through this story a little bit together, and then we'll, we'll unpack it. Verse 25, there was a certain woman which had an issue of blood uh, for 12 years. So, 
we could, I think, safely say that at that point in her life, that the condition that she had was incurable. In other words, there's nothing else that we can do for you. Let's go on reading verse 26. And she suffered many things and many physicians spent all that she had and was nothing better, but actually ended up getting worse. She grew worse. So her situation became more and more hopeless. Would you not agree? So, uh, um, <clears throat> so then it goes on to say, in verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus, now we don't know what she heard, but I can tell you this much, what she heard brought faith. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word. So whatever she heard, faith came. So the Bible says when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press or the crowd behind, from behind and touched his garment, for she said. Now I believe it is that uh, in Matthew's account of this, Matthew records it that she said within herself down here, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. So reading again, it says, for she said, if I touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press or the crowd. And he said, who touched my clothes? Hallelujah. And his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked around, he searched about to see, who, see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, Daughter, what's the next two words? Your what? Your faith hath made thee whole. Hallelujah. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Oh, happy day for that girl, huh? Or that woman. You know, think about 12 years dealing with this, spending everything that she had. So not only is she in ill health, but now she's broke, busted. I mean, it's a pretty hopeless kind of situation that she found herself to be in as, as a woman. So, and, and here's the thing, her situation was hopeless, yet, she said. And the reason she said what she did is because she heard about Jesus. And she said, I've been to all these physicians, but this guy right here, he can make a difference. You know, um, the founder of our Bible school, Kenneth E. Hagan, had uh, uh, nearly died as a teenager. He was, uh, I think, four months before his 16th birthday. He was he ended up being totally bedfast. He had an incurable blood disease. He had a heart um, uh, disorder. I mean, his heart was not uh, formed right. And then uh, at the time when he ended up in bed, he, was, he had paralysis. And so the doctors came, five different doctors came and, you know, looked his situation over and this and that and the other. And all of them said, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing medically. You're beyond medical management. All right. And so, in other words, he gave them no hope. You know, one minister came and said, you know, just, just be patient, boy. Pretty soon it'll all be over. So he didn't help him at all. But, you know, he, he made the statement. He said, I knew at that point in my life that if there was any help for me, that it was going to have to be in this book. 
And so he began to read, and we don't have time to get into the whole story, but he was healed, praise God, by the power of God, and uh, a wonderful thing. But my point to that is, is that he, as a man, again, was in a hopeless situation, but thank God he got a hold of the Word. He got a hold of Mark 11, 23, and 24, and came up off that bed and was made whole. Hallelujah. So maybe you have a hopeless situation, or at least seemingly. I'm telling you what, God can resurrect that deal, man, if you'll believe. Hallelujah. Amen. And, you know, within the context of, of the Bible. So she, her situation was hopeless, and yet she, uh, and yet she said. Now, here's another example of this. Remember Abraham, we read in the scriptures all the time about his example. You know, God came to him and made a promise and said, you're going to be the father of many nations. And he took him out and he said, if you can number the stars, then you'll, you'll know how many descendants you're going to have. You know, well, they're innumerable, obviously. And uh, <clears throat> so the Bible says that when God spoke this to him, he believed him. He believed what he was told. He believed what was written, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Now, when we read in the book of Romans and Paul's account about Abraham, he makes this statement. He said, who against hope? One translation says, when there was no hope. I mean, he was, not, he was 100 years old, she's 90, and she'd been barren her entire life. So that's kind of hopeless, right? who against hope, when there was no hope, believed on in the hope. In other words, he, did, he believed in spite of, if that's the right way to use it, that he would become the father of many nations. Now listen, according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. So why am I saying that to you? Because a lot of times in our lives, and, and I tell you what, it's a fight. That's why the Bible says fight the good fight of faith. You know, we got all this human reasoning going on. We got all these contradictory kind of circumstances and things like that that keep telling us that we'll never make it and we can't do it and all these different kinds of things. And you got to fight. All right? I, I, I mean, I wish I could just tell you, you know, no, 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 just lay down. God will take care of it. That ain't the way it works. I mean, praise God, you got to put on your weaponry, put on the armor of God. you got to start believing God for what it is that he has promised in your life. Because if the devil can keep you from it, he will flat do it. But he can't if you stay within the realm of faith and what God has said or what it is that he has promised. Now, I use this example a lot, you know, but when we first started the church, <coughs> Nobody <laughs> gave us much hope. You know, we rented this that building over there where our offices and things and the youth would meet. And, um, you know, they, they, they just said, well, they won't last six months, you know. <clears throat> they didn't have any confidence, but they didn't know the God that was leading us and guiding us and showing us the way in which we should go. Hallelujah. You know, so there was no faith you know, they talked to us, and, you know, they said that we were a cult, accused us of all kinds of things that weren't true. You know, we had all this different kind of things, you know, assaults that were being made against us. But little by little, one step in front of the other, faith to faith, you know, glory to glory, God continued to add to the church such as should be saved. And here we are today, 45 years later, this month, matter of fact, last week, amen, the seventh day of January, doesn't that mark 45 years? Yeah, that's our anniversary. 
Praise God, miss that. But anyway, I'm just saying, you know, that, you know, there's a lot of times in your life that people will tell you you're not going to make it and you can't do it and you're not qualified. I mean, the list is long. But I'm telling you what, praise God, you can do all things through him who strengthens you. And I'll tell you what, if you'll grab a hold of that and you'll begin to walk by faith and not by sight and believe the word of God, put one foot in front of the other one, I guarantee you'll get where you're going. He'll see to it, hallelujah. Why? Because he wants your life to be a testimony and a witness to the ability that God has to bring you into that place of promised land, if that were the right way to put it. So it's important for us, praise God, again, not to cast away our confidence. And I mean, everything around us in the world, I mean, you guys, it's not preaching much encouragement. It's preaching something else. But I tell you what, glory to God, stop listening to that and start listening to him. He says, don't ever cast away your confidence. It has a great recompense or reward. You have need of patience or endurance that in after you have done the will of God. After you have done the will of God. So many times, you know, people say, well, I'll do the will of God, you know, if God just show up right now. No, nah. no, you do the will of God, he'll show up. Amen. You don't do the will of God, he ain't around. <laughs> yeah, he's around, but you know what I mean? Huh? Woo! Glory to God. So, all things are possible to the one who believes. But again, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So, if you're discouraged, you know, if you're having a difficult time, if you're having a wrestling match with some area within your life, you know, I'm telling you, the place to get victory is in the place that is written in the book, the Word of God. What, where is the promise in the Bible that meets the need that you have in your life? He said, you know, if you'll obey me and do that which is right in my sight, I'll make you the head, not the tail. I'll, I'll make you above, or, yeah, above only and not beneath. Glory to God. He said, I'll put you over. I'll make it. See, we need to believe that. But a lot of times people don't believe those things. You know, they look at their circumstance and they, again, they'll say, well, you know, I guess God, you know, I must not qualify, you know, or, you know, he must have lied about it or that must not be what it means. Or, you know, all of these different kinds of human reasonings that take us out of the blessing of God when we just got to say, no, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe his word and he's going to bring it to pass. Yeah. Hallelujah. Now, you know, people think you're nuts. But they thought we were nuts. Probably still do. I don't know. You had some guy here a while back, you know, was talking about, you know, someday we're going to sell our, our property to the school. I'm thinking to myself, dude, the way things are going in this world, we're going to buy the school. <laughs> Hallelujah. We ain't going nowhere. Are you kidding me? You think about all this blood, sweat, and prayer that people put in money, that people put into this. You think we're just going to go lay down someplace? Not on your life. Not, not in the least. Hallelujah. Anyway, didn't mean to get off on all that. But anyway, Abraham's faith was tied to the promise. Your faith needs to be tied to his promise. What promises are you standing on where your life is concerned? Well, um, none really in particular. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe that's where we need to start. 
Let's find some promises that cover your case. And then that way, praise God, we're standing on good ground. Glory to God. The woman's faith was revealed by word, for she said within herself, but she said it was revealed by word and action. She came in the press behind. See, she had a desire to be healed. She wanted to be whole. And she'd been to all these doctors again to, you know, be made well. And they said, there's nothing we can do. So her desire, her hope, you know, the dream that she had was to be made whole. She heard of Jesus. She heard that virtue, she obviously had to hear that virtue was coming from him and that people, when they touched him, they were being made whole. And she said, if I can touch him, I'll be made whole. And she believed that. And so that belief in what it is she said within herself transposed uh, into action. Now, we don't know that so much in this uh, society or culture that we live in, but back then, you know, if you, if you had an issue of blood, you were considered unclean and you were not to be in public. But you know, when you get desperate, you really don't care what other people think or say or what the law, you know, this, that, or the other. You're going to go to do and get your need met. And the Bible says that she probably seen this m- massive kind of, you know, swarm of people and they were in front of him and he was moving. She probably thought the only way I'll ever have the strength to be able to get to him is if I come from behind. She wasn't going to fight the people, you know. Are you listening to me? And so she came in the press behind and she was healed. So her faith was revealed both by word and action. Your faith is revealed both by word and action. So you have to ask yourself, well, what am I saying? You know, now let me give you a little caution here when it comes to this, because sometimes this can become um, um, excessive. Maybe that's the way I like to put it. For example, I heard this, you know, as a matter of fact, I think when we were in school, this may have happened, but somebody needed a new car, so they decided to give their car away as seed. Well, when they did, guess what? They were walking, you know? And you got to ask yourself, well, you know, the Bible says, you know, you release your faith by word and action. By golly, we're going we're to give our car away as seed, and we're going to believe God, you know, and He's going to give us a new car. Well, it never happened. And so now all of a sudden we want to blame faith or having faith in God as being the problem. And the problem there is not about faith. It's about being presumptuous and foolish, Huh? You don't get off the horse that you're riding until you get a new horse, unless God tells you to do something. You know, Brother Hagin tells a story, you know, about the fact that the Lord spoke to him and said to give his car away to this person. So he did it. Well, he told that testimony to somebody, so they decided that's what they were going to do, so they'd get a car. They didn't get no car. They wore out the soles of their shoes. You know, the Lord has spoken to my wife and I. We've given away cars and vehicles and different things like that. Why? Because he said to. Not because I got this wild idea that now I'm going to obligate God to do something for me because I've done this, then he has to do that. That's not the way it works. And I'll make this statement to you so you understand this. Actions do not create faith. Actions do not create faith. They are the result of faith. And don't get that mixed up because if you do, then, you know, then you'll, you'll come back and you'll be without and you'll be whining and you'll say it don't work. 
Well, it does work. And I'll give you another example. You know, a lot of times, uh, let's just say that we have a strained relationship in our life. And so we hear what it is that I'm talking about. I tell you what, faith, it can change anything. All things are possible. And so you decide that you're going to have faith to get this relationship straightened out. Always remember that there's two sides to this coin because you're dealing with someone else's will. Are you with me? It's not about your individual needs that you have that God will meet in, in what it is that you're talking about there. You know, some people will say, well, I'm just going to will it, you know, that, that God's going to turn this around and it's all going to get better and all this and that. You don't know that. Now, you can pray for them, and you should. And you need to believe God, you know, that God will open the eyes of their understanding. But you understand that, that you're not the only one in that equation. You understand? It's one thing with a woman with the issue of blood. She had her own personal need. But when you start talking about other individuals, then there's a lot of other things that come into play. Does that, does that help you? And the reason that I want to share that with you is because, well, you know, Pastor Mike, the other night he was talking about all things are possible, and I want to get this fixed, you know, and, 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 and certainly God wants to get it fixed, but there's more involved than just you. So you can't just will it to happen, and then when it doesn't, then you're discouraged, you know, and uh, does that, uh, hopefully that makes sense, all right? So again, actions don't create faith, they're the result of it. Now, let's look at our scripture again. How are we getting along? Oh my gosh, is it 8.03? Doggone it, that's just not fair. Come on. Somebody's been messing with that clock. Wow. I just got to what I want, that where we stopped last week. <laughs> got to do something about those intros, I guess. Well, give me, give me six more minutes here, because I'm sure that's okay. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, remember, this was our text. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hallelujah. Faith gives substance to what we hope for. Somehow or another, I've got to go back to this thing about these relationships, strained relationships. You say, well, so what am I supposed to do? You do what the Bible says to do. As much as lies within you, you live peaceably with all men. Isn't that right? The Bible says that we're to love our enemies, you know, and, and not that there are enemies, but there's a, there's a rub, there's a problem. So what would love do? Well, love would believe the best in them. You know, we'd be saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We love them, you know, as Christ loved the church. Are you with me? You know, so we walk in love, we walk in love, we walk in love, we walk in love, and then we let God do what it needs to be done in that situation. Are you with me? And if we'll do that, so, so what, what happens is, is that when we do that, we're standing in a place where we can have confidence toward God, right? Why? Because we're doing the Bible. We're, we're, doing, we're not speaking evil against them. We're not trashing them, you know, every time we bring up their, their lives or anything of that nature. Are you listening to me? No, we're just going to believe God that God will get to them because they need God. Amen. And so if we'll do that, then I believe, praise God, we'll be blessed. Matter of fact, uh, we're going to stop right here because I can tell you right now, I'm done. Hallelujah. I can go on with the rest of this. I want to talk to you about a bunch of stuff, but I can't. Next week, again. Now, I can promise, but I'm not even sure that would work. But I really do. I got some really good stuff. 
that'll really help you and bless you as far as certain areas within our lives as we've talked about. But anyway, enough about all that. Why don't you stand with me? <clears throat> Praise God. Here's what we're going to do to close tonight, since this kind of came up on the inside of me. We're going to pray for those people that our relationships are strained with. Okay? Hallelujah. You say, well, I don't have any of those people. You're a blessed person. Praise the Lord. Amen. Be happy about that. So I want you just to agree with me as we pray together tonight. Father, ah, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Father, we come before you this evening in the name that's above every name. And we do lift up the individuals here within the sound of our voice, Father, even those that maybe are watching online that have certain relationships that they'd like to see reconciled and that there can be recovery take place. Well, Father, we bear those relationships before you. And Father, we're asking you to send laborers into the paths of all those that are involved in these matters. But at the same time, Father, I want to thank you for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to believe, and to walk in the light of your living word. And Father, I thank you for hallelujah, letting our speech be seasoned with grace, hallelujah, not being judgmental, not trying to control anything, but Father God, allowing you to be the one that brings these things to pass. We trust you, Lord, and we're going to go down the road of life and we're going to stay happy because you, you told us to cast all of our care onto you because you care for us. And so we just thank you for working in the midst of these relationships, bringing blessing into the lives of the people that are involved. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for reconciliation and recovery. Hallelujah. And so we just thank you for your blessing here tonight. And Father God, I ask you that the things that we've talked about this evening, Father, help us to give, give thought and meditation to them. And help us, Lord God, to make an application of those things where our lives are concerned, to be able to do what it is that you would have us to do, to think differently, to develop and, and, and um, have a new way of thinking about our lives. Glory to God. Father, I pray for these that are here tonight that they will indeed fight the good fight of faith and that they won't let go of what is rightfully theirs. And that, God, they'll get the victory, hallelujah, through that which is written, the promises that you have made. And not only that, Father, but by the Spirit of God that is within them. Thank you for your blessing, Lord. We rejoice in your goodness, your mercy, hallelujah, and your grace. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated.